And so we're going to cover uh, Matthew chapter 7, 1 through 12 this week. But what I want to just point out in this sermon that we're like unpacking and dissecting that Jesus gave up on the hill that day is that it is the absolutely most brilliant assessment of what it really means to love God and love others the way that we're supposed to. In this sermon that we've been going through, Jesus completely exposes the fake righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, which really was essentially nothing more than behavior modification and, um, and human manufacturing. Um, and then Jesus kind of exposes their kind of pseudo-fake outward righteousness and unpacks for us throughout this whole sermon real righteousness that comes from God. A righteousness that flows from the inside of us out. Uh, and what Jesus kind of really addresses in this sermon, at least the way that I read it and what I've been so inspired by, is that really every matter is essentially a matter of the heart. And Jesus always takes it back to the heart. And there's no way whatsoever we can be the people that God wants us to be and that God designed us to be if we don't have a loving and transformed heart. No matter how valiant and strong and noble our attempts are, we can't be those people until our heart is transformed. And then we have that kind of kingdom righteousness that flows from the inside out. That's really the heart of this whole entire sermon. Um, and so today, in the kind of the ending pieces of the sermon that Jesus gave, he addresses the issue of judgment and how we wrongly judge one another. But before we even get to like hitting the text today, I think we have to take a serious look, or at least at least some kind of look of how Jesus got there, because I think there's a really cool progression. Actually, I think in the sermon, because it's Jesus and it's brilliant. There's a divine order to how he unpacks this sermon. And I don't think he could have started with our wrongful judgment of others right away. I think he had to hit all those other things first. If we look at this divine order, if you guys can recall, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus addressed, first of all, anger. And he addressed anger and contempt. And then after he addressed anger and contempt, then he moved on to divorce. And he talked about lusting and he talked about verbal manipulation of other people. And I think we had to have that order because I don't think you can deal with the issues of lusting after other people and manipulating other people until you first deal with your anger and your contempt. Because I think there's, in anger, if you think about anger, so much of anger is trying to impose your will on other people that may be conflicting with your will, so you get angry, so you're trying to impose your will on them without regard to who they are and what their needs are. And contempt, which I think is the worst form of anger, at least one of the worst forms of anger, is really valuing and treating other people less than they really are. And so when you are looking at people and valuing or not valuing people, but you are really estimating them and looking at them with contempt and you view them as being less important as they really are and less important than you, then it's easy to objectify them with your lust. Then it's easy to try to manipulate them to get your way because you don't care about them, you care about yourself. That's the root of anger and contempt. And so you can't deal with all these other issues until you deal with the anger and contempt first. And then after Jesus deals with divorce and lust and verbal manipulation, 
Then he kind of moves on to some other issues, and he talks about just the pressure that we put on ourselves of trying to be esteeming in other people's eyes, just trying to please other people and to look good in view of other people, which was a huge problem with the Pharisees, right? And Jesus also talked about our endless and unsatisfying pursuit of material things and wealth. And he really just brings us back to just be at peace with your acceptance with, in God and what he has provided for you. And don't worry about anything else. And Jesus said, even if God cares for the birds, he's going to care for you, right? And I think it's then. I think when we're finally at that point, this is really kind of neat how this sermon is progressing to different levels of maturity. And I think when we're finally at peace with who we are and what we have in the divine kind of life that Jesus gives us, I think then we can finally even begin to approach how we judge other people. (laughs) Jesus hits this last because it is a very sensitive issue. And it takes massive maturity to do it the right way. And so Jesus, in this sermon, at the end of this sermon, he's showing us how wrongly we judge, how badly, how poorly we judge other people. And so let's kind of hit the scriptures now. Um, Matthew 7, 1 through 6, I think is where we'll start, if we can get it on the slide. Jesus says this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And then he says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they will trample them under your feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Okay, so we've got to unpack this a little bit. So Jesus starts off, this is all about how we treat other people. I mean, the majority of the Sermon on the Mount is how to treat other people. It's loving God and loving others the way that we're supposed to, right? Rightly. And um, anyways, so Jesus talks about this kind of reoccurring, um, reciprocating counterattack of judgment. He says, don't judge others or you too will be judged. And what he's talking about judging other people the wrong way. He's talking about judging people condemningly, holding them um, with a wrong type of criticism. And if you do that, you know what's going to happen? They're just going to do it back to you. It's inevitable. When you judge other people condemningly, their response is just to judge you right back. You start pointing out their, their, flaw, their flaw, flaws and faults in a condemning kind of way, they're going to do it right back to you. It's just the nature of our broken humanity. I'll never forget when I was 16 years old, I was a very deeply lost teenager. Um, All sorts of issues growing up. And when I was 16 years old, I was looking, well, all the way up to that point, I was looking for acceptance and belonging from anybody that would give it to me. And unfortunately, I found the acceptance from the wrong crowd. And 
um, I became very rebellious. And drugs and alcohol became my lifestyle as a teenager all through high school. And at that same time, my mom had just gotten remarried. She hadn't been married for years after my dad left. And she had gotten remarried to the stepdad. And he came into the house and he was trying to rule all of us three wild boys with an iron fist when he came in. And he was just... He wanted to be the authority, and he was just blindly disciplining us for all of our actions, never considering the pain and the, and, and the insecurity and just the confusion that was happening within all of us. And he would just, and so I just felt not just judged by him, I felt so misjudged by him. I felt so unknown by him. And then... Um, the kind of culmination of that was one day I came home and they had just, you know, moved into a new house and all of my bags were packed on the porch and the doors were locked and the locks were changed and there was a note on the door that said, if you can't live by our rules, you can't live in this house. And that was the moment where I knew I never want to have anything to do with this guy again. I grabbed my bags and I left and I never went home after that. I've been out of the house since I was 16 years old. But the reason I tell you that story was my response to that. See, he's trying to fix me when he doesn't even know what's wrong with me. And I felt so condemned and judged by him that my immediate response was to reciprocate that. And so I just would, I, my excuse to break that relationship was because of all of his faults. It was because he was such a hypocrite and he's got his own issues too and maybe he doesn't do drugs and alcohol excessively like I do, but that guy has, and I would point out all of his and never wanted to have anything to do with him again. And that's just an example of the cycle of reciprocating condemnation that we can fall into when we're judging people unlovingly and the wrong way. That's just what happens. It's the nature of it. So don't judge others or you too will be judged. And we even do it with good intention because we want to help other people. But the problem is we don't know what's wrong with them. But we still try to help them and we come across as condemning and judgmental and we ruin the relationship instead of restore it. I can't tell you how much that happens. So then, here's what Jesus does next. Then Jesus talks about this whole beam and plank in our eye, right? And he says, don't even think about dealing with the speck in your brother's eye if you haven't dealt first with the beam in your own eye. What does he mean by that? Is Jesus actually saying that we can't help other people with their problems until we have dealt with all of ours first? Is Jesus actually saying that we can't help them until we have dealt with everything and we're, we're, we're at a place where we have reached perfection and then we can finally start helping them? I don't think that Jesus is talking about that because we'll never be at a place of perfection. We, we will always have issues. I think, here's what I think, and I really think that mainly because of this passage, of course, and a whole bunch of other pas- passages that have harmony with this, but I think we are to judge other people, but Jesus is addressing how we judge other people the wrong way. And we should, until we deal with the plank, and I don't think the plank or the beam is any undealt with sin, because we're not going to be made perfect until Jesus comes back and restores all of creation, then we'll finally be made perfect. But we still have to help each other until then. So what's the plank? I think the plank is condemnation itself. I don't think the plank is just any sin that we haven't dealt with. 
I think the plank is condemnation because when we're looking at other people and we're condemning them, and then we're not going to see them for who they are and we're not going to be able to help them. So we've got no right to deal with the speck because our condemnation is blinding us to who they really are and what they really need. I think that's where Jesus is going. I also think that because that's what Dallas Willard says. I want to read a quote. (laughs) This is what Willard says. I love it. Condemnation is the board in our eye. See? Told you so. He, Jesus, knows that the mere fact that we are condemning someone shows our heart does not have the kingdom rightness he has been talking about. Condemnation, especially with its usual accompaniments of anger and contempt and self-righteousness, blinds us to the reality of the other person. We cannot see clearly how to assist our brother because we cannot see our brother. And we have never known how to truly help him until we have grown into the kind of person who does not condemn, period. That's what Jesus is talking about, I believe. Then he brings up this really interesting exhortation next about not feeding dogs sacred stuff and not trying to get a bunch of pigs to dine on pearls. All right, what's that mean? He says, don't give what is holy or sacred to the dogs. And New King James, you know, New King's, New King James says, don't, don't cast your pearls before swine. There's a common interpretation that I'm sure a lot of us have heard of that particular section of Scripture that says, well, the pearl that Jesus is referring to is the gospel itself. And what Jesus is saying with that interpretation is he's saying that don't present the gospel to people. The dogs and the pigs are people that you know will reject the gospel and don't deserve the gospel because they're going to reject it. And so under that interpretation, Jesus would be saying, he'd be saying, hey, the pearl is the gospel. Don't waste your time giving the gospel to people that you know will reject it. And I think that is the most bogus and absurd interpretation that I can't believe people would believe because I think that interpretation does so much damage to actually understanding who Jesus really is. Because if you follow the train of thought, what is Jesus talking about in this passage? He's talking about not condemning other people. He's talking about loving other people. He's not talking, and, and, he's, and he's not talking about wasting the gospel because they're already, you know, going to be judged and they're not worth the time. It's not a matter of wasting the pearls and wasting the sacred things, I think the issue Jesus is addressing is the needs of the pigs and the dogs, and we're not recognizing what their needs are. We're trying to force feed a dog a crucifix, and we're trying to like fill the pig trough with pearls, and they're not going to eat them. And so what has Jesus said? He says, if you keep trying to do that, they're going to bite you, because at least you're edible. You're not giving them what they need. (laughs) If you try to feed a pig pearls, as great as the pearls are, I think what Jesus is getting at is he's getting at when we misjudge other people and we condemn other people because we're viewing them wrongly, and what we try to do in our attempt to fix them is we take our valuable and and as good as they are, our moral standards and our ethics and what we think is right, and we try to force feed it on them when they're not even ready to receive it. They can't digest it yet. And so what do they do? They just turn around and bite us. I think that's where Jesus is going here. So instead, we need to actually know what they need. 
before we can even come close to addressing their needs and giving them our valuable pearls. So it's don't, it's not don't waste your time. It's learn them. <laughs> learn what they need. So then, I love the progression of this passage. It's so cool. Because then Jesus says something that seems like it's way out of context. It seems like he totally changes gears and goes on this tangent about prayer. The asking and the seeking and the knocking and all of that. We haven't read it yet, but I want to read it. But I want to suggest that we read this passage with the whole train of thought still in mind. That it's not out of context. I want to suggest that we read this passage through a perspective that I think is way now more common in biblical scholarship. And I'll get to that. This is what he says next. After the pearls and pigs thing, he says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And then he says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? So when everything due to others, what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Follow the train of thought. First, Jesus says this. Don't get into this whole reciprocating condemnation exchange with your brother because you're viewing them wrong. Don't do that. Instead, just be at peace with who you are and what you have in God's kingdom. And I think a lot of our condemnation towards others, this is another tangent, sorry, I was trying to follow the train of thought and I can't even follow my own train of thought. But, but I have to say, I think a lot of our misjudging other people is just based on assuming we know what's wrong with them and then fooling ourselves into thinking that we have what it takes to fix them. And I think what Jesus is saying, this whole train of thought is he's saying, don't get into this whole exchange of condemning other people unhealthily and, and don't assume that you know what's wrong with them and that you don't fool yourself into thinking you have what it takes to fix them, in a sense, pushing your pearls on the pigs. Instead, ask, seek, find, knock, investigate. I think Jesus might be talking about not just asking the Father. I think Jesus might be talking about asking your brother or your sister. I don't know what's wrong with you, and I don't have what it takes to fix you, but clearly there's something wrong and not right in your life, and God wants to make it right. How can I get to know you better? Lovingly, carefully, genuinely investigate. And that should transfer over immediately into asking the Father. I think, I think that could be where Jesus is going here. I don't... I'm not going to fool myself into thinking that I know what's wrong with you, and I'm not going to even attempt to pretend that I have what it takes to fix you, but let's together find out through conversation and relationship what the issues in your life are, but I don't think um, I have what it takes, so let's go to the Father, because even He will generously give us what we need, because we 
as evil people will give good gifts to our kids, then how much more will he give to those that ask of him? Generously and graciously and liberally giving to us. I think that's where this passage is going. It's a beautiful thing. And I really think, so I think judgment here, Jesus is showing us how we wrongly judge other people. But I think in the end of this, I think he's alluding to how we judge people the right kind of way. And that's with love and care and careful investigation and then asking the Father, the only one who can fix them, to come in and assist. And I think that kind of judgment has to be done so carefully and so sparingly because we've done it wrong so easily and so much. I don't think we can do that kind of judgment until we've done all the other stuff that Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. Not perfected it, of course, because that's not going to happen until Jesus does some really radical stuff here. (laughs) But until we have learned how to deal with our anger and contempt, until we've learned how to be at peace with who we are and what we have in God's kingdom, and then we can really begin to lovingly investigate the needs of others and then go to the Father on their behalf so they can get help from where they need help. Isn't that awesome? I think that's what Paul is getting at in Galatians chapter 6. This is what he says. I think this is the same thing that Paul is saying when he says, brothers and sisters, if someone, someone that you love, someone in your community, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourself how easily pride creeps in and we think we're the ones that's fixing them. Watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. I think this is the right way to judge. Those that are spiritually minded, I think, that's, I think he's talking about those that have the maturity and the depth to live out the Sermon on the Mount stuff and to actually love God and love others the way we're supposed to. And then we can judge rightly without breaking relationships, but restoring relationships and being the community of people that God wants us to be. And why is all of this so important? Because when we act like this, as the loving, God-centered family living the divine life that God called us to live, it shows other people who Jesus is by our actions much more than our words. And, and actions speak so much louder, don't they? So this, this is the stuff. This is, this, is, this is kingdom culture stuff right here. Lovingly caring for each other, even in the hard stuff, because we've got the spiritual maturity and depth to be able to do that. And when we don't, we don't even try. Or we just depend on the Father. Anyways, I'm going to pray that we, as a community, can live this stuff out so much better than we have. That I can live this stuff out so much better than I have, so that we can be that Christ-shaped community that has this dynamic, uncomparable loving family dynamic that everybody will want to be.